Good evening. And here, once again, we do spoil you with how regularly we do these things, is Four Blades in a Pub. And after getting together on Thursday night, another three points on the promotion charge, we couldn't resist getting together to talk about Stoke and add a very, very, very worthy member into our World Cup squad. So I'm John, and I'm absolutely delighted, as I always am, to be joined by Ian. Good evening. Good evening. And Dan. Good chaps. And Phil. Good evening. And as you can all hear, Phil sounds a little less abrasive on the ears this evening. Um, so sadly, my due... apologies about that for the last pod, people. All good, but uh, I, sadly, I didn't make it up to the lane yesterday, but I did manage to watch it. Um, I don't know if Carlos Arbor's less or more annoying than some of the people who sit near me, but I, wa- I watched the game, and um, obviously, it's very different in the stadium. So, Phil, you can start us off. How did you see the game yesterday? Um, Quite similar to a lot of the other games, and and recently, and Dan and Ian kind of called it quite quite rightly when when we were doing our predictions on Thursday that we we should have been more comfortable than what we were, and, and a sticky spell made it ultimately a, a a harder game than it probably should have been. At two nil, we were absolutely cruising, and they looked like they were never getting back into the game. The goal came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, Heckingbottoms alluded to the fact that he he. He's adamant that we should have we shouldn't have conceded that goal. We should have stopped it, as well as the fact he thought it was offside. But my, my overriding feeling after the game, in fact, during the game yesterday, really, is we were carrying two players for a long period of the game, and I think that the the management of the of the game from the sidelines doesn't didn't help us yesterday. Because I think if we could all see it, and and most people have, that I've heard have spoke, speaking about it have said the same thing. <sighs> It's hard to criticise Eckingbottom because of where we are in the league, but he, he should react quicker than what he did yesterday. And I don't think if if we'd have not won yesterday, I think it would have been down to him rather than the players. Alan's that. I suppose it was it would have been down to, to the players and him. I would I would argue because I still think the players have got to help take some responsibility. And I felt first half we were far too lackadaisical in possession. We were kind of. You're right. We're two up. We should have been comfortable, but we looked like we'd got some got it in us to to slip up, or if they did break or try and put us under a bit of pressure, we looked a bit flaky for me. And whilst that goal came out of nothing, you know, it, I think he's right. Was it? I think was it Powell that put the ball in? No, there was two players. No one moves to him. No one even. Berger really should do better. But like, he's, he's pathetic if you're playing in central midfield to not be able to like approach a man with a bit more urgency than that, especially 30 yards out from goal. We're not talking about the centre circle. And he and then he has a punt and then yeah, it ends up in the net. And it's it's a weird goal. And we we you wouldn't concede that very often. It's quite interesting. Norwood tried to put a similar ball in in the second half, just in front of the keeper. And the keeper just came and it, it just didn't work. But it, it, obviously yesterday it went in. Dan would you agree with Phil and Ian on, on those? Uh, absolutely. Well? You know, I, I, I tweeted at half-time. I thought we were average um, up to half-time, even though we were winning. Um, and we were, like, like Phil said, we were carrying Berger and Sharp. Um, and we said at half-time, Berger, as good a player as he is, in, in flashes, 
if he do, if he's not playing in the position that McAtee's playing at the minute, we're having to basically shoehorn him into the side at the at the detriment of the side to the detriment of the side. It should be it basically should be him or McAtee in that role. And at the minute, McAtee's playing well enough that it's his shirt. So Berger, you know, club record signing, whatever he is, unfortunately he should be on the bench. He's not if he's not if he can't play in that McAtee role, Doyle is a better far better option in central midfield than Berger. He just, he, we've seen it since he's been here. He just he cannot play that deep. He's, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether he doesn't know how to play it, whether he's not. It's hard to say he's not athletic enough because he's six foot four and, and you know, he is, he is built like an athlete, but he just doesn't seem to. It comes down to aggression, Dan, for me, with Berger in that Maybe. Middle. I think, I, I, you compare him to, we've seen the best of Norwood this year because of People say added aggression, but maybe he's just showing a bit more. Like Doyle is a bit more like rugged, and and although Fleck, we discussed him quite a bit on Thursday night, but like Fleck generally does bring a bit of that, and that's one of the reasons he gets knocks and stuff because he gets stuck in. I think, but like I can't remember Berger doing a slide tap. Like he will have, but I can't remember. Like for somebody who plays him in field, I can't think of him getting stuck in. And, and for someone who's built like he is, who should be able to physically, at the very least, compete and in a lot of cases dominate whoever he's directly up against. You know, he's he's six foot four and fifteen stone or whatever it is. He should he should be dominating that central midfield. Yeah, he just he just doesn't, and I, I don't know. He kind of he seems to turn it on every so often. He'll have a burst where he suddenly realizes he's a lot better than. The kid that he's playing alongside, and, and he'll 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 ghost past his man. It's that weird. It's when he gets the ball about thirty yards in the right channel, isn't it? And he almost yeah. stands them up and just glides round them like they're not mm. there. Um, like he should have scored as well in the second half. And it was yeah. a lovely bit of play actually, and then he he really should be burying that. Yeah, it was um, good. Bogle and. Um... Jebison and then the back heel and you, like you say he's got a very yeah. I think there's, there's that, that, that and the, we talked about it at half time on the back of the cot there was that chance first half where he received the ball in that kind of kind of sort of inside right position and you expect him to just kind of glide forward at that point and he turned backwards and that was symptomatic of what we saw from Berg yes. I, I know it's probably it's probably too simplistic to say that and, and we're probably doing him a disservice but do you think there is any chance that he's Kind of phoning it in, he's playing at half pace to, to protect himself for a move either sometime in the next fortnight or I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think it's, I, I don't think so, but it's, he's not doing himself any favours playing like that in the middle of a transfer window, is it? I think we, I think we've seen this from him before. I think we saw this last season particularly. And I remember saying that I, I know, I'm not going to, not gonna, well, I will repeat it, but like I don't think we're at th- this level. I was, I remember saying at one point that we're at a situation where the conversation soon has to be seriously: is he one of the worst signings we've ever made because of the money spent and what we're getting out of him? And then he went on a run for about fifteen games, was best player in division. So, I'd like the thing to- is, he's, he's probably going to play in the position you'd want to see him for the next probably two games, depending on how Njai is after he come off yesterday. The likelihood is he'll play with McAtee behind behind, behind whoever's, up, whoever's up top. Certainly next week if if Njai's not fit, and then probably against Wrexham as well. 
So I guess he's got a bit of, a bit of time now to go back to his his more advanced position. Tommy Doyle, you would imagine, will sit back in next to next to Norwood, which is his best position. Then I think that the decision is what what happens up top because bless him, we all love Billy Sharp for what he's done for this club. But and and again, it's something we've said before: if he doesn't score, he doesn't generally influence games. That's even more stark now than it perhaps has been for a few years. He's old. His hold-up play used to be a lot better than it is. Yeah. Ball, it, it's at least, if he wasn't scoring it, at least used to stick. You could knock the ball into his, into kind of anywhere from his chest down and he would back into his man. He would hold it up. He would bring other people in or he'd buy you a free kick. He just seems to get pushed off the ball really easily. I mean, I know I know that suitor that he was playing against yesterday is a big unit and, and Jack Yelk has been around the block. But he didn't. He, he couldn't even hold the ball up yesterday. And, and you know, they run the channels well and stuff like that. And he's just... And I, and I get this, and I've seen people put it on Twitter. I've seen other people say, you need to put some respect on his name. I agree. And him deteriorating as a player because of age doesn't dilute what he's done for the club since he's been here. But unfortunately, time catches up with all of us. I mean, if, if, we're, you know, if, if we're picking players based on sentiment, I'd have Brian Dean playing tomorrow. The fact is, he's in his mid-50s. You know, it's just... Unfortunately... I saw, I saw one or two people on Twitter calling out, you know, you can't can't slag him off. He's a legend, and he's still out there doing it. And it's like, well, he is, and he's gonna, he's got either respect to. But if someone's having a bad game and not playing well, I think as fans we're entitled to call that out. And it's not, it's not slurring his status or anything else. It's reflecting the fact that I'm sure he'd hold his hand up. Not say he's well. not doing what he wants to be able to do on the pitch, and we're in an unfortunate position where he's been asked to do it week in week out. And that's and that's what I said the other day about like he's, for someone his age, especially over Christmas, played so many minutes. And it was nine. It was almost ninety again yesterday. He was on for like, did what time did he go off? Seventy some seventy fifth. Like that's like it's not an hour. That's you know. And I don't know. I I I feel I feel that what the problem is as well. If he's not at it. At it We've got this lovely, we've got these fantastic wing backs, which I want to talk about at length, actually, how good them two are. But we've got these lovely wing backs, but these fantastic players like McAtee buzzing around and Jai. And then the last bit is yes, you need a focal point, but that focal point needs to move with the play. And I think we probably would look even better if we had someone in the number nine position who was being a bit more dynamic. Whether and I think that's part of the problem as well, John, that, that Jebison appears to have kicked on a little bit recently. And I think because he's looking like making an impact when he's coming off the bench, that's probably highlighting Sharp's lack of mobility even more. Yeah. But I think, like I say, it's undermining, I think, what we're trying to do. Mm. Well, that, um, that lack of a focal point was part of our problem yesterday. So the first goal was the only time we did it yesterday. In fairness to Stoke, they pressed us really well. They didn't let us... Because normally, you know, Egan takes, Egan gets the goal kick short. It goes out to to an L or it goes to Robinson. We work it forward. We didn't, we didn't seem to be able to beat their press yesterday. We couldn't string two or three passes together. We couldn't beat their high press. So instead, we decided to go long. But then we had no focal point to knock the ball long to, and we, we would basically we ended up dropping the ball wide to the right wing for Bogle to try and win a header to help the ball on. It just. It just didn't work. And, you know, if you've got someone like McBurney up there or even a Jebison, you've got someone you can knock the ball up to who might do something. But we didn't have that. We were kind of caught 
between two stools, really. We couldn't play it short because we, we were just off it in terms of passing out from the back. And we didn't have a focal point. Um, McBurney not being available, and I use the term available rather than fit, is causing us a problem again. His, his lack of availability is starting to cause a problem again now. Yeah. We I don't mean, know why he's not playing. There's absolutely nothing coming out of the club. Well, he, he replied to, was it Scholar Rob on yeah. Twitter? Uh, and said, um, I'll be back with the lads soon, ankles are twat or something like that. Yeah. Bit strange that that's the method of us finding out that basically he's got a sore ankle and he's not back in. I think it's all seems a bit weird. One thing that I'm sort of holding out, holding out hope sounds very dramatic, but if we'd listened to Hecky in the week, none of us expected Max Lowe to start yesterday. And then obviously he does. And the same with Osborne, wasn't really talked about as being ready and then ends up coming on. So who knows? Maybe he's thinking Hull on Friday or or not like, and then after the cup, that's when McBurn is ready. But it just seems a little bit weird. And um, people without naming names have said that he's not even been around, around behind the bench with the other injured players, which adds another layer of... of a mystery to it all, but who knows? We're no, no conspiracy theories. I just think we're desperate to get another body back in that forward position, particularly with what's happened to Injai. Well, we don't know what's happened to Injai, but like the fact he went off, obviously they were flexing his knee, weren't they? When he when he was when he was kind of on the floor, the physio was kind of flexing his knee and obviously asking him. He, he'd got an ice pack on his knee when he did yeah. the walk round after the game as well. Mm. Uh, just below, the ice pack was just below his knee. That he did, that, and Jai wanted to stay on. I'd which, imagine. I can imagine he would, but then equally, he's, he's he's always quick to go down when he feels something. I'd, yeah. I'd rather us be precautionary and hope, hope it's you know a few days I mean, rest and it clears up. One thing that's worth considering um, is actually: is it do we get to a position soon if you know Jebison as a go doesn't really do it? that we have a go with Berger and McAtee off NGI. It's kind of what we did back end of last season, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. We didn't really play yeah. with the forward as such. So I I, I just think that... that, that no, we did that yesterday. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I don't think... I th- this isn't bashing sharp, but I Absolutely definitely not. think we need a... We need a def- You've got to have plan B's and C's. And every time we've got out of this division, we've had strikers that offer us something different and can also just be an option. Like when we went up last time, Hogan played quite a lot of games, which meant Sharp wasn't having to play every single game. That was four seasons ago. And now we're expecting him to play... 90 minutes. I just don't think it's sustainable. So, but in terms of positives yesterday, first 15, 20 minutes, I thought we looked really good. I thought we played with a lot of intent, progressed the ball really well, created lots of chances, well, half chances, if you will, but we were definitely getting in their box. And two of the biggest reasons for it were the fullbacks. Absolutely. Maxlow in particular said some really terrible things about him in the past, but he's definitely, he's definitely the bee's knees and I'm, I'd be happy for him to play as many games as possible between now and the end of the season, fingers crossed. 
He's a lot better defensively as well now. I know Stoke didn't offer massive amounts, but he, before he looked, in fairness, both him and Bogle looked decent going forward and a bit shaky defensively. But they both, they both obviously worked on that side of the game, haven't they? Yeah. I thought the, I thought the interesting thing yesterday was the interview with Lowe where he said, you know, he's been getting forward, but he's been working in training on Njai tells him he knows where Njai's going to run to and tells him where he wants to put the ball. And it was a great ball and a lovely finish. Just guided. It was a good him. goal. The whole goal was really yeah. well worked, wasn't it? Started this, from this, is the, this is the this is the I think that's that highlights how thing how well things were going and then we stopped being able to we either stopped doing it or stopped being able to do that. Because if you look that came from our goal kick. We worked mm-hmm. it all the way up the pitch. And then after that we didn't seem to be able to get that kind of passing fluid uh, fluidity to going again. Here's a question for you. You're talking about the fullbacks. Would you bet against Bogle being top scorer by the end of the season? If he plays <laughs> between every game for now three, and then. Three and two. I'd, I'd, I'd argue that if we are do become sure, playing him in a more advanced role might not be a bad idea. But the only problem with that is, is as Heckingbottom said yesterday, both Bo, uh, Baldock and Stevens are injured. Yeah. They both got injured in training last week. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Bogle went down yesterday, didn't he? And he's like, oh, fucking hell, here we go again. Um, that's that's a, one of the problems, like, we've tried to play down the injury conspiracies that have been going around, but, like, I can't remember a period supporting United where we had this many, that especially certain players having recurring ones. So let's just hope Bogle has a, a good run to the season because he's had a he had he had obviously the op, didn't he? And then he came back and then had, had the setback. And he, it's fair to say he's come out of the traps in the last two games. He's been shopping for Prada jackets with Ian Brewster today as well. So he's obviously enjoyed his Sunday. But like um there's someone on Instagram before. Like. Eckingbottom's interview yesterday. Eckingbottom's interview after the game yesterday where he was quite pointedly talking about the training pitch. Mm. I thought it was quite a worrying interview from Heckingbottom yesterday. Yeah. It, it was a quite an odd tone from the start. Mm. I thought his, his, the way he was answering the questions just didn't... I say it felt scripted. It, just, it, it didn't seem a natural flow. I don't know if I'm you know reading too much into it. I was listening to it thinking he's just speaking in a really odd way. And then, like you say, he got into some quite pointed comments about the fact they need to move off the, the pitch that they're on at the training ground. And then something about the underfloor heating, the undersoil heating hadn't been installed in time, so they're not being actually said installed on. and paid for. You kind of said the inst- undersoil heating hadn't been paid for. I wonder, now, I wonder if this is, I wonder if he's, he's kind of, he knows the takeover's going through, he knows that Prince is not the... Current set apart going to be his boss for very, very much longer, so he's not going to hope to lose. Yeah, I'll you know, there's every chance that we could have new owners in the next week or two or three, and you can say what he wants. It was interesting though, because if, if they're the things that actually need to get done, I think it was in Nathan Hemingham's Q and A last week. He was, and he seems to have a, a reasonable, a reasonable inside track of all the local journalists on what's happening behind the scenes. But he was suggesting, and it, like I say, it might just be his perception rather than his knowledge but he was suggesting that the priorities not wouldn't necessarily be the training ground straight away whereas to me yes we need to supplement the squad and bolster it for the final running but that has to be one of the things we do prioritize getting the facilities because you can't spend 30 million on a player and in 
get knackered on the training ground because we, we haven't got we've got substandard facilities. Well, this is it. Clearly, needs to be sorted, and because you, you can't have as you can't have this happening. You can't have people getting injured and then the manager blaming the training pitch. Now, Baldock's a weird one because Baldock doesn't tend to get injured. Uh, Stevens is like a few people have had a re- has had a really patchy couple of years with his fitness, but yeah, it, like Phil said, quite worrying. I think maybe despite another comprehensive win and we take them all day long and the fact that we're sitting quite pretty in the league, we might be in for a couple of bumps between now and the end of the season. You don't, the takeover in itself brings uncertainty. So, because you get some fucking idiots for every, like, wonderful chairman, you get, like, some nut job. So let's see, see where we land, I suppose. Just the like, you could get like a Vincent Tan character coming in, and we've got blue shirts next season. You don't know, dear. So, it's all right, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent didn't, Vincent didn't like blue though, did he? So we'll take Vin. No, we won't take Vincent. We won't take Vincent. I don't want anyone who wears leather gloves with a suit. That's not much to ask. He's always he, he's a someone... request as well. Well, no, he always had leather gloves on. Even in like, it was like a weird thing. Don't like a Bond you... villain. Yeah, exactly like that. Then I'm not making like the guy out of um, the Bruce Lee film. <laughs> and and the glove, depending on takes it off and he's got a big claw that he attaches to his hand. And the dragon. Vince, yeah, here we go. Vincent Tan gloves. I mean Vincent Have you just Have you just Googled Vincent Tan gloves? Are yeah. they, are they, but are they are they are they tan coloured gloves for Vincent? Let's be clear. Well, these it's quite an in yeah. I knew I'd seen this. So he'd have like his three piece on with the Cardiff shirt over the top of it, and then leather gloves. Maybe maybe just not taking them off after driving. Maybe it's like maybe he was driving into Cardiff City Stadium with Roachford Cuddly Toe blaring out. <laughs> yeah, they, they string back like partridge. Yeah, with cockpit tan on the side of his car or something. <laughs> I mean, what could I brought him up, but I feel like we need to steer us back in a moderately sensible direction there. But well, like, on, on, an, on another positive note from yesterday, and I know this makes me I know this makes me seem unbelievably petty, but I was really happy to see our second goal going off Phil Jagielka. <laughs> And, I, and I've, I've been told today, I put that on Twitter today, and I've been told by someone that they feel for me because, because that's how I feel about Jagielka. Because uh, I've still never forgiven him for his, air quotes, inexplicable handball against Wigan that got him his cup prize move to Everton. I'm not saying that there was anything untoward about it, but I've still never forgiven him. But you hold a grudge. Still. That, obviously, everyone knows I hold a grudge. Everyone knows that when the second any player leaves United, they're dead to me. If they fuck, if they potentially fucked us over whilst they were here, then they're even more, even more dead to me. Is that possible? Is that a thing? Can you be even more dead? Yeah, that does sound like a Sam Ridleyism. <laughs> you could be dead. But no, I was happy to see that just just clipping off Jagielka yesterday. So, you know. I, d- I did wonder if you'd replied. I saw your tweet, and I saw someone replied, but I didn't know if you'd. Uh... Yeah, he just he just said. I think this guy said why he did very well for us, and I said inexplicably handballed it to send it down. He said, that's disgraceful. There, there, there's no proof to that. And I, nah, fuck you. 
I mean, the fact he'd been the best centre half in the division for a number of years, and then in the division below, and then in the and really good for us that season, then threw his hand randomly up in the air was a little bit random. No, like, that wasn't the only reason we went down, and that wasn't the only reason we lost to Wigan. However, it didn't didn't help matters, did it? Yeah. Well, it didn't. And what we've learned here, guys, is Dan never forgets. So that's <laughs> seventeen years on, and. Jags, yeah, justice. Yeah, well, he talked uh, about Danny Webber for it in the post in that game as well. Christ, don't get him started on that. <laughs> I'm a bit worried because years ago, pre-pod, Dan blocked me on Twitter for something. He'll bring it up at some point, I'm sure. Did that? <laughs> Did that? Jesus he, does this, he does this <laughs> as well where he plays all innocent. <laughs> but really, it's all, it's all a big game to Dan. Anyway, we're picking on Dan, <laughs> which is not something I ever want to do. So... Um, we're in that situation though again lads we, we won great position in the league we're winning games comfortably ish comfortably by the scoreline making it probably more hard work than we need to in part yeah. of the game but then we're like we've not we've just spoke for 25 minutes about the match and about three minutes of it was positive um, is this sort of like a is this a Blades fan pandemic of negativity ripping through us because we've become sort of entitled because this was happening on the other side of the city. They'd already have the coach ordered and um, the crow's nest would be being reopened and various other crazy stuff would be happening over at Hillsborough. I mean, today I saw two different Wednesday fans excited that Wednesday and Reggie Blinker got a shout out on Match of the Day last night. So... Uh, if they were second in the championship, <laughs> very, I'm I'm not joking about that. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. Well, the, the people getting excited about that. Uh, I just prefer to be on the program, lads. But like, if they were in this position, not that we should ever measure how we behave by their standards, but they'd be going absolutely bonkers, and we we all seem a little almost melancholy. I just think it's because of every game recently. Yes, we've won them, but we've kind of stuttered over the line in every game. And don't get me wrong, I'll take that from now until the end of the season if we carry on doing that. It's just whether, if the performances don't improve, whether we are going to be able to continue stuttering over the line in every game between now and the end of the season. I think it's because we, we because we were so good at the beginning of the season, we were we were free-flowing, we were scoring goals, we were, we were blowing teams away in, in some cases. And we put that, we've got that now, we've now got that big cushion. I think there's almost like an air of complacency with United fans. So we're a bit like, yeah, we should beat the East today. And even if we don't, we're still eight points clear. There's no United are always United fans are always better. And that's on online and in the ground themselves. When either everything's going against us or there's a massive amount of jeopardy on a particular game. And at the minute, it doesn't feel like there's any jeopardy on the game because we're playing well enough to beat the majority of teams we've come up against. We're not having to move, you know, we're not having to really put our foot down. And like I say, even if we don't, we've built ourselves such a big cushion. It's almost like we're, we're kind of coasting in. And, and I, I think that's possibly the, maybe the atmosphere of a better back end of the season when. You know, like Middlesbrough and Watford and stuff like that come to the lane where teams are coming and having a, a bit more of a go at us and there's a bit more on the game and we're having to play well. And I don't know, maybe we're just a bit complacent at the minute. 
I mean, I look, I look at it, and I suppose, yeah, Middlesbrough's one of those games, but three of the next four are at home. You know, you've got Rotherham and as a Rotherham away in that as well. And um, we talked about it walking back to the car yes, cars yesterday, and the pinch tweeted last night. They said if we win eleven more games, then Watford would need forty-five points from nineteen, Borough forty-six, Blackburn forty-seven, West Brom forty-eight. You know, they'd have to win. So with 59% of the season over, they'd have to more than double their current tally in the remaining 41% of games. And every game that passes, that becomes an even bigger proportion of wins they need. Because if we can keep winning, it becomes obviously progressively harder. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say melancholy. It's kind of, I'm kind of sanguine about it. Because I think at the minute, until something turns for the worst... I don't see how we throw this away. But equally, I'm not jumping up and down from the rooftops about it because, you know, I, it's possible at the minute that it, we would be a couple of injuries to key players and Jai being one of them is something that could cause the rot to set in very, very quickly. Also, we've never really done it this way. We don't tend to get promoted by, like, even like the League One season where we ended up winning the title at Canter at the end. Before we played Bolton at the lane, we'd barely been in the top two, I seem to remember. Yeah, because we played Bolton and Scunthorpe in successive home games, didn't we? Bolton and Scunthorpe? Yeah. And we won them both, and that's what then kicked us on from there, didn't it? And that that sort of build into something, whereas it's a bit of a different way of going about things. But also equally, like, the, the... I don't know. I feel like it isn't a bad place to be that we could go, you know, we've got a bit more to give if we needed to. Um, but I don't know. It just, I didn't get the score right this week. I said the lane, I wasn't there, but my dad said that it was quite one of the quietest games he'd ever been to. I thought it was noisier than recent games. It was a bit more singing started in the second half, particularly when we were a okay. little more on the back foot. We were kind of Sheffield United repetitive champ. Felt a bit more. I'm not getting me wrong. I'm not saying it was anywhere near where it should be, but it, it felt like there was a little bit more coming from the from the back of the car. I mean, you sit up there, Phil. You you might have a different view. But... It, it was so. Th- there's sort of three sections on the cop that try and get things going, and I'm sort of banging in the middle of one of them. And we 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 were trying to get it going sort of several times during the game, and and I kind of towards the middle of the second half, I just got fed up with getting no response or very little response, or just dying out very quickly. Um, th- there was an occasion, something happened in the game in the second half, quite early on in the second half, and that lifted the crowd for about five minutes, but then it soon died down again. But I have, obviously, I've, I tweeted today about the atmosphere and, and I've had quite a few responses on it. A lot of people saying the south stand was quite noisy yesterday. And I wonder if that's that it, there was some bother between the south stand and Stoke fans during the game. Yeah. it's almost as if we need, as a, as a fan base, like you said, Dan, we either need the game to have got some jeopardy on it against a big club or something that could come as a result of it or something to happen yeah. to feel like we're wronged for us to, to get going. And at the moment, like you say, we are we're coasting. We're not really playing that great. We're winning games. Dare I say it's almost easy. And that that's probably contributing to, to the atmosphere as well as the fact that there's a lot of nervousness about because... Sheffield United fans, and that's the way we are. I'm almost certain that assuming we go up this season, 
And assuming next season we don't repeat what we did last time we were up there, the last season, and we're bottom of the league and we're getting hammered week in, week out, and there's no way we can stay up. I'm almost certain the atmosphere will be better next season where we're in a relegation battle, which is which is what I assume, you know, which is what I'm expecting. If we go up next this season, I expect us to be in a relegation battle next season. I would almost expect the atmosphere to be better then because with the underdogs, we will feel like the bigger teams are getting more decisions against us and will become more vociferous as a as a crowd then. That, that's what I would expect. Rather than yeah. last a bit of a almost a procession into promotion, which it can. We've we've almost always been better underdogs, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I, we just don't don't feel like we've ever done it. Like I say, don't feel like we've ever done it this way. So interesting, interesting couple of weeks ahead, anyway. But I think, like you've, you touched on it, the longer it goes on, and if we keep picking up points, like everyone else's task becomes pretty much impossible. Well, yeah, that's that's a fact. It's in our hands. If we keep doing what we're doing, we'll we'll go up and probably comfortably by I don't know four or five weeks before the season finishes. But there's a lot of football to be played, a lot of games still to be played. And I thought it was interesting. Um, I commented on a tweet earlier from I think it was not the top twenty or the Championship podcast or something like that, um, saying about West Brom. So when Corbran took over, they were second bottom. And in the 11 games, they're now in the playoffs. And in those 11 games, obviously, they've risen up the table from second bottom to six. But we've actually gained more points than them in them 11 games. Right. So as, as good a form as, as these other teams are in, we're in better form. And we should be a lot more positive than we are. We'll have dips. But equally, they will have dips. Yeah, of course. No yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah, no, no team will sustain that run that West Brom's on. But equally... We're on a better run, but that we'll have a blip in that. Mm. But we just. Like we said yesterday when we when we came out, every result that we get yesterday, whether it's ground a ground out two one or a one nil from now on, that's another game less that all these teams have got to, you know, to pull, you know, to, to actually overhaul us. You know, whatever the is there seventeen games left. Nineteen. Nineteen games left. So every time we grind out three points, the odds shift a little bit further in our favour because that's one less game that they've got to. Claw points back on us, don't we? Is it 19 or is it 17? We've got 19. Error, so. it's 19. It's 19. Yeah. So, yeah, do we, do, we, do we talk about Friday? I mean, just on the atmosphere, I'm not sure a Friday night game on Sky helps with that either, but that's a... it. Might not be a bad thing with being against Hull because they really yeah. don't like us and they'll come and be loud and noisy and that'll usually spark a bit of a reaction, won't it? They'll be they really don't like us, do they? I mean, I'm no. fairly indifferent about Hull. It's a bit of a shithole, but I'm fairly indifferent about Hull. They really, really don't like us, do they? I just always saw it as little man syndrome. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think it's one. That, so I've got, a, I've got a mate who's a Wolves fan, and he said, like, Wolves, Birmingham, Villa, they all fucking hate each other, and they all live out. And he said, Warsaw, every so often, they try and get really mad, and, and like, all other fans just go, oh, little Warsaw, and, like, pat them on heads, and Warsaw fans are like... Argh! Because <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about Hull. They're just like a little bit of a non. It's a bit of a non-club to me, really. They, they stick to really, rugby. Stick yeah, to rugby. Stick is, to rugby. Uh... Oh, stick to rugby. <laughs> yeah, they'll come all wound up. We're gonna, yeah, we're I mean, telling us we're going to be mauled by the tigers, and we'll be like, oh, all right, whatever. 
mauled by the tight. I mean, Hull's a, Hull's a strange. It's a, Hull's just weird, isn't it, as a place. And, yeah, we tend to have done okay against them on the whole over the years, in my memory. And The Leon Clark match. Yeah, being being one, obviously, the when we were quite nervous, quite nervous going there. Uh, last time we got promoted, and we're three 0 up, and like Stevens had one of the best game best games I've ever seen him have. McGoldrick scored that wonder goal from like thirty yards. I think we got to the boozer about half ten for a three o'clock kickoff. So I don't remember much about going flying when we scored, but yeah. Was uh, key, key under- game against them under Warnock. Warnock. Yeah, no, that's when Paddy Kenny got injured. And Unsworth scored. Yeah, from a corner. Unsworth scored like a last score. minute winner or last few minutes winner, didn't he? Oh, in the league, yeah. Yeah, in the league. In, yeah. in the lane, sorry. I'm on about when we went with Wilder as well. Like that yeah. was. But yeah, like they, the fact like Little Man Syndrome sums it up. I think it'll be probably a bit. They'll probably fancy it a bit more of a free hit than. Um, there's someone like Stoke, I don't know. A couple of obviously, there's a couple of X Blades in their lineup to to add a little bit of spice to it, aren't there? Who is Slater and Tyler Smith? Tyler Smith. Yeah. So, yeah, I look forward to those tweets that we should have never let him go at 10 p.m. on Friday night. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, don't, I think we can. I think we'll beat them. I just think we'll probably make it. It won't be glamorous, and we'll probably make it more hard than we need to. Um, we just, we just, click, just click that and stick it into every pod now till the end yeah. of the season. <laughs> Sorry, we can't give you any sort of uh, more more evidence based <laughs> analysis than that. Well, but like, I'm, just, look, I'm just looking at well, I'm looking at their form, and if you look at it, apart from they beat Birmingham, uh, Wigan four-one away, Birmingham one-nil away, they've drawn three home games, one all. Blackpool, Sunderland, Huddersfield. So they're, you know, from a team that was probably at the start of the season, um, was it Astubian and others, was, you know, they were knocking a few goals and they were getting one or two results early on, but they've just kind of gone to where you'd expect now, aren't they? 16th, mid-table, mid lower mid. It's, it's one of them, isn't it? We should beat them if we play anywhere near yeah, our best. we should beat them. them. But, I don't know, are we... Are we Predicting any scores, or are we, are we not doing that? I'll say 2 1 to United, and it'll be a bit nervy. It'll be 1 1, then it'll go 2 1, be a bit nervy. He's, he's ramped it down from the 4 0 from last week. <laughs> Listen, after 20 minutes, I was thinking on, on Saturday, I thought I'd be conservative, but then, uh, yeah. It's a form. You did, I'll, I'll, say, I'll, say, I'll say 3 1 United. Um, just similar to, probably similar to yesterday. You know, a couple of goals up early doors. Obviously, concede a stupid goal because we've not got a league clean sheet in us at the minute, and then you know potentially make one for us. Yeah, three one United for me. I'll I'll go very much the same as you two. <laughs> I'm going to go one nil just to be different, but I think we'll win. Clean sheet. Yeah, I think I think we're due one. I'm I'm saying one all. I think it'll be one of them games that <gasps> we ought to win, and we'll get ourselves all worked up because we've not taken advantage of playing first. But. I'm not. I'm not worried by that, but yeah. Rand's predicts start of blades slide. That's my headline. Don't give your ideas to Colt Pod that. 
He'll be in Sheffield Star on Thursday. Um, anyway, um, we have a section that we didn't do the other night. And yesterday, um, well, Phil, this is your suggestion. Do you want to do you want to introduce it? And we can yes, talk. we're talking about our World Cup squad, aren't we? So, um, and just just for a caveat, if it sounds like we just all can't be asked all of a sudden, it's because. In 18 minutes, we're all very... I'm not sure if Dan's watching, but I know me, Phil and Ian are very keen to go and watch Happy Valley and we probably have to factor in a piss and a drink before that. So, yeah. yeah. It's less important to me now. We'll probably watch it on iPlayer tomorrow because my missus has gone to bed. <laughs> well, I'm um, going through to watch it. So. Anyway. Um, yeah, so our World Cup squad that we've we've put a few, play, a few players in already. Um, we talked about putting somebody in um, in, in tonight's pod and I think it's an apt timing because possibly in my opinion one of the best midfielders I've ever seen Sheffield United have made his 200, 200th appearance for us yesterday and alright probably didn't have his best game for us this season but he still put a lot of tackles in and kept trying to progress the ball forward like he does but Oliver Norwood is our, our next entry into the World Cup squad so, yeah, just phenomenal footballer. The best passer I've ever seen for United. The the way that sometimes in a game, he just is a one-man sort of um, ammunition provider for so, so many of the good things we do, whether it's where he sits. He really just pushes it to the people next to him or it's the pings that have become... Like fashion, well, he's just a phenomenal player, and it's actually we we talked about him at length on here, but like we I think we've settled now and him being in this legendary status, and he's such a good player. He's so he's we're so lucky to have him. And interesting catching up on Blades Pod on Friday after we'd recorded and before for the game, and uh, Andrew and Ben were talking about like him get him on get his contract signed and almost like just put legs around him for like the next 10 years and he can do a Stuart McCall and play until he's like 41. I mean, I, I don't think that will necessarily happen, but what a player. What a phenomenal player. It was think it's... Oh, so I was going to say, I think it's quite telling that like yesterday, like Phil was saying, he didn't have a brilliant game. And I think that's possibly, like we're going back to what we spoke about at the beginning, when he's got Berger along, alongside him, because he, he does he does need legs alongside him. You know, obviously, you know, we, we I criticised him during that Premier League season because he just looked like he was running through treacle. And, you know, it looked like his legs had gone. He's obviously not as mobile as he was maybe five or six years ago, but he, he seems to play better when he's got Doyle, Fleck, even Osborne along, alongside him, who are a lot more all energy than Berger. So they can get around him and allow him to do his thing without necessarily having to do all the chasing around that he's expected to do whereas yesterday he's having to do extra running because Berger's not um, just, I, I just I, maybe I worth some, keeping an eye on that I saw some criticism of him yesterday and I think it's easy because when you are like you say you, 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 I thought it was the other side of his game that was strong yesterday it was the interceptions it was the tackles he was putting in and actually you know what when, when you're taking the responsibility for trying to progress us upfield it won't always come off and fans need to remember that, that, you know, it, it is sometimes even the basics might happen for him. 
but he's trying to do something positive with it. Most times he's got it. And I'd, I'm never going to criticise him for trying to progress upfield because he, we've got very few, we've got, I haven't got a player like him who can do it. No. Um, most, most clubs don't. You, like, you, they're not 10 a penny like Norwood players. Like People even at, like, at the top level who play in that sort of like sit and dictate a lot of them, like say Vaudry at Man City, not say Norwood's a better player than Vaudry, he's not, but Norwood's passing range is, is probably as up there and and much more advanced than someone like Rodri. And like it's it's just unbelievable that we've got someone who can hit it consistently 10 to 20 yards, but he also hits these 30, 40 yards, also can do a can do a whipped cross, can do a floated cross, and he and they always bang on the money. Maybe not always from corners, but that's a Sheffield United like curse, isn't it? But just I think that's why he gets criticised sometimes as well, though, because if it doesn't always come off, and it's not always going to come off because otherwise he won't be playing for us. When it when it doesn't come off, and there was an occasion yesterday where he tried putting the ball into the corner for Jebison to run onto, and there was a big groan because it ran out of play. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. The next time that he gets the ball, he'll try it again. Yeah. He won't turn around and do the safe option and just progress the ball forward five yards or go backwards. He's prepared to risk and reward and, and keep trying those. Some people call them Hollywood passes. They're not. They're just progressive. And that that's why that he's he's a major catalyst as to why we've been as good as we've been for the last four or five years. I got all sort of sentimental there because I saw him. I think it was Jazz Colliver had tweeted the video of the pitch at Stoke with Egan starting the song and the fans joining in. And, you know, and, and to me, the bit about that is, you know, Ollie Norwood with his fucking pain. I mean, what, well, we're going back four years now. Yeah. Well, and, he that's, came and he's in, still there uh, doing that, doing what he did that season. He's doing it now. And he and, made his debut in the League Cup. Yeah, he missed a penalty, didn't he, against Stoke? Yeah. Missed the penalty in the shootout. I think he did. Yeah, he was actually going to sign for Hull because they were booing him all the way through that game. He was on the verge of signing for Hull and then came to us last minute. And what? A and then next game, ironically, we played him and he missed a penalty. <laughs> doesn't tend to be doesn't tend to be injured, being ever present this season. And I thought his interview. Well, you've got the comical interview where he doesn't have social media because he's got two kids and all that, which was just absolutely fantastic. And if like, and I know Tufty Club. Uh, talked about that length, but like the fact that he talked about in the thing, it was a bit more of a serious one he did, where he's like, Yeah, I remember how I felt after the playoffs, worst feeling in football. And I just I went in this season and I just knew I didn't want to feel that again. And his performances, not that it was poor last season, but this season, his performances have been amazing. Back end of last season, I remember the QPR away game. Phenomenal game by Norwood. Second half, he just dictated everything that was positive in that, and we won because of the way, as you, as we've all just said, just playing passes that you've got to have a set of balls and have conviction in yourself as a footballer to be able to just keep doing it. And sometimes they won't work, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't like you shouldn't endeavour to play like that. And it's it's absolutely we're we're, we're blessed to have him. And I was just about to say yeah. he's going to be another one of those like speciality players, like we've been saying for two or three years. Replacing Basham is going to be really tough, and we seem to have done it 
in fairness, on the cheap with a Nell. But replacing Norwood's going to be that. That is going to be what is he 30... 32, 32, I think 31, 32. Yeah. So all right, he's not. He's not. Fin- he's not you know, he's not finished yet. He's got a good few years in him. But at some stage, we are going to have to replace him. And if we replace him, if we're trying to replace him like for like. That's not going to be easy. You know, try, re- finding a midfielder in our price range with that range of passing is. They don't grow on trees, do they? He's 31, 32 by the time season finishes. Yeah. Okay. And it's in and it's interesting as well that like he was a, this is his longest stint at a club. So he's obviously been here since twenty well, he was actually since twenty eighteen came in on loan. He's played by like hundred and eighty well, those two hundred games. For like he's never clocked up any not even half of that. The ta- like he played eighty times for Huddersfield, eighty times for Reading. Like it's it's sort of quite telling that he's been so successful everywhere else and he's actually like found home a bit Ian because he's not like pumped the badge and and things that some people might want or people have said that he's suddenly learned how to tackle which is bollocks but like he's he will go down as one of the best players we've ever had 100% I'm, I'm convinced of it like like speak to my dad Phil I know your dad same Ian <sighs> Everyone, everyone's parents. You speak to the older lads at the match. They all, everyone's like, yeah, he's brilliant, Norwood. Or when Norwood's not like, it's like a, it's a bit of a Chef United is when Norwood don't play well, we don't play well. And you know, it's a bit cheesy, but it's fucking true. I'll stick my neck out, you know. I think he's had that badge coming to us. Sorry, I think it was a bit of an bit of an overlay there. But I was just going to say, he had that reputation coming to us of being the man that got clubs out of the championship, but then didn't really stick around when they're in the Premier League. I was all I was going to say was that first season for us in the Premier League, certainly up to COVID, he was outstanding. Yeah, and that, was. we need to remember that as well because it's easy to dismiss him as, yeah, he's done it in done it in the Championship for United and done it, you know, at other clubs. But actually, that first period up to February March, certainly, he was brilliant. He was, yeah. Uh, what what I was going to say, I, I'll stick my neck out and. It, when you're talking about who's our greatest ever player, everybody's got different opinions. And most people universally will say Tony Curry, but you can't really compare Norwood to Curry. They're different players. Different they play a different way. Norwood's the best player in the position that he plays we've probably ever had. And I think to to get better than him once he's gone is like we've just said, it's gonna be nigh on impossible. And some of the disrespect he gets sometimes I just find Staggering. We'd for it to repl- to get a replacement for Norwood, we have to go up and stay there for a couple of years and be basically in the position we were pre-COVID and like looking like a side who's got a chance of sneaking into Europe and then and- spend twenty-five to thirty million. And the, oh. well, probably and the probably and the rest. Look how many like perceived top midfielders go into that division every season and then do nothing. Like the the guy at West Ham, who Paqueta, Brazilian guitar used to be at Milan, yeah. And, and and not he's not doing anything, and he's at West Ham, and they've spent mega bucks on him. Like he's just we're just very lucky to have him. And to have had him for as long as we have, and we're gonna we've got to keep enjoying having him. And if next season 
when we play, if we get up and well, when we get up or whatever you want to look at it, and we're playing Arsenal, and you know, party and that running rings around him, you just have to say, yeah, well, the running rings around the rest of the league as well. Like it will happen in games, but it's it's just a great and the idea of a defensive midfielder whose game has never really been about pace and people saying, oh, his legs have gone and all this. I'd I'd like to think it wouldn't happen next season. I think we've probably learned to slag him off because if we got relegated again, we'd need him in the division below. Unless, unless of course, we don't give him a new contract. I think that'd be very silly indeed. Can you imagine? You know, this is well, the uncertainty, yeah. though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is the this is the thing with the owners. Vincent Tan might not like the number sixteen. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think we should call this pod Vincent Tan's Blades, and that'll really set the room when we're going. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. I was going to ask, uh, but yeah, Vincent Tan's Blades. But Norwood's great. Quickly, we've got, got a few minutes, but for me, memories in Norwood, uh, the goal away at Brentford. Dead is he? Pardon? He's not dead, is he? <laughs> He's th- no, he's thirty-one. Doesn't work, does it? Um, <laughs> it's not fit, but like the goal away at Brentford, absolutely brilliant. With like in the um, last time in this division in the in the promotion season, fantastic. One of them goals. The more you watch it, you're like, how's he scored that? Um, he should score more. In fairness, shouldn't he? Really, with his with yeah, his, someone with, with his range of passing, yeah. Memories, memories I'll have of him. I mean, like you say, still here, so we'll, there's a chance to to create loads more. But the amount of times he's picked George Baldock up with a seventy yard crossfield pass over the back of the left back. That was the one that that was the pass we kept. I can't. I don't know what game it was. That pass that we kept seeing during the promotion season, where he drilled it almost like bisected two or three players and dropped it straight into Baldock. Didn't even have to change. Change stride, just just kind of strode onto it. I bet he did change stride when he got the ball, though, and went straight backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Chopped back inside, rolled it back. He doesn't always roll it back straight away. There's often a moment of indecision and maybe a couple of extra <laughs> unnecessary touches first. But then, yeah, it will then be returned. I think the memory might have... I think it might have been the Villa game. Obviously, he scored the free kick from out on the touchline. But I just seem to remember at half-time, because that was one of his... One of his early games for us. It was his first it? league game. Yeah, that was and, and kind of after time everyone going almost saying, Jesus Christ, this you know, because he'd been spraying passes around all half and looking really good on the ball, looking like a step up from Coots, who obviously everyone idolised for his ability to keep hold of the ball. And, and like I said, everyone at half time, I was like half time looking thinking this lad looks pretty special here. I think I think seeing him put that free kick in against Blackburn. Which, like you say, he should do more of this season. Um, that the, you know, the keeper never moves. I, I love watching a free kick that just is so perfect. But equally, I just think it's not, nothing specific. But those kind of passages you talk about, they kind of get you. They kind of you just feel this kind of it's like a pleasure rise watching someone hit a ball as sweetly and perfectly as that. And you know, we've seen him doing that often. I don't think we. You talk about replacing him. I've not seen any other... I don't think I've seen another championship midfielder like him. Genuinely. In the opposition, when we've come up against another team, there's very few I can think of, if any, no. that, compared to Norwood, for what he does and the way he plays. 
and and that's that's what I'll take from it. You know, it, it, there's a there's a uniqueness to him certainly at this level. We're very lucky, very lucky, and he's a phenomenal player and a fantastic entry into the World Cup squad. So, who does he join? Morgan Gibbs White, who starting to upset me a bit, but that's a different. Did you, did you see his? Did you see his overhead kick clearance that started the second goal yesterday? He then went on to contribute to. Uh, yeah, he's he's all, he's playing all action for Forest, and they they're eleven, they're twelve, eleven, twelve. Yeah, my, my my dream of us going up, Forest going down, and us picking Gibbs White up off them for roughly what they paid for him, I think is uh, is up in smoke now. There's about <laughs> six points in the entire entire bottom half of the Barclays. It's tight as uh, tight as it gets, but. A great player, joining Gibbs White, Jaggy Elka, and is it who else in there? Alan Kelly. Alan, Alan Kelly. Kelly and Billy Sharp. And Jai. And Jai. And then Jai, yeah. So quite quite an eclectic mix. Uh, I'm actually working on a graphic for it as we speak. Well, not as we speak, because I'm fully committed to the pod we're recording, but yeah. Anyway, it's been a pleasure. Go and get yourself off being that committed. Go and get yourself off to watch... Uh... Happy go and watch someone else with some attacking intent. Tommy Lee in Rice. Tommy in Rice. Yeah, well, it was a cliffhanger last week, so I'm going to go. But always a pleasure, gentlemen. And we'll be back after Hull to talk about that one and talk about another play in the squad and look forward to Wrexham, uh, which is the shittest kickoff time possible for me. And I'm devastated, but there we are. Anyway, only one thing to say, chaps. Over the lights. Over the lights. See you later.